Ching a ring a ring ching ching, oh a ding a ding kum lucky. Ching a ring a ring ching ching, oh a ding kum lucky. Brothers gather round, listen to the story about the promised land and the promised glory. You don't need to fear if you have no money. You don't need none there to buy you milk and honey. Style coach with four white horses. There, the evening meal has one, two, three, four courses. Ching a ring a ring, ching ching a ding a ching ching, ho a ding a ding, cum lucky. Ching a ring a ring, ching ho a ding, cum lucky. Nights we all will dance to the hop and fiddle, waltz and sing and prance, cast off down the middle. Stand out in the sun and hear the holy thunder. Brothers, hear me out. The promised lands are coming. Dance and sing and shout. I hear them harvest from Ching a ring a ring ching ching a ring a ring ching ching a 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 ring a ring ching ching a ring a ring ching ching a ring a ching a ring a ching a ring a ching a ring ching 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 Gotta be a first, someone standing. That's excellent. All right, all summer long, I am preaching on the family that put the fun in dysfunction, the family of Abraham. We're gonna go all through the book of Genesis. Um, I'm gonna read the gospel lessons as we go because I think it's important that you hear them, uh, but the preaching's gonna come from Genesis. The gospel lesson today starts in the ninth chapter of Matthew, the 35th verse, and I'm going to go through till 10, 8. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles. And enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. 
And in the 18th chapter of Genesis, we begin to hear the story of Abraham and his family. Now, sometimes the three who appear to him are understood to be representative of the Trinity. Sometimes they're understood to be the divine and two angelic assistants. Regardless, Abraham hears a word from the Lord, and Sarah, his wife, overhears it. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamar as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him, and when he saw them, he ran from them from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened to the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season. And your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. (laughs) Sarah was listening in the entrance at the tent behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. Old. Advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, oh, yes, you did. And then we move on to chapter 21, and here's what happens. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son whom Sarah bore. Isaac means laughter. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. 
Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? And yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So have you ever had something happen to you that was so both exciting and unexpected that all you could do was laugh out loud? Here's what I was thinking. I've been trying to think of good examples of this. One was when the Lord met me in the parking lot here at Vance and said, I want you to come and be be the pastor at Vance. And I went, (laughs) sure. But the best one I could think of was when my nephew was born. My nephew is now 21. He's a big, strong, handsome, cool kid. He played, you know, football in college, and he's, he's just lovely. And the day he was born, I was babysitting his brother, who was then two. And we had a good day. We watched cartoons. We played, and we did whatever you do with two-year-olds, and... Then his dad came home, and he met his dad at the door, and he said, well, hey, daddy. He was very excited to see my brother. Hey, daddy, how are you? And Scott said, you have a brother. And he started to laugh and laugh and laugh. And he said, what's his name? And he said, his name is Chad. And he laughed so hard, he literally fell over in the front of the house. He was laughing. So, I have a brother. Yay. I have a brother. He was laughing and laughing and laughing. And Scott finally said, do you want to go meet him? We'll go to the hospital and you can meet him. And he was just laughing. Yay. I get to meet my brother. You know, he was so excited. And for somehow it didn't connect in his little two-year-old brain that for nine months his mom had been carrying this baby around. And he was thrilled to be able to meet his brother, laughing and laughing at the excitedness of this thing he had never expected. And see, sometimes when we hear this story about Sarah, we think Sarah is laughing like and kind of rolling her eyes like, This guy's a dummy because he thinks I'm going to have a kid when I'm 100 years old. But I think that that's not why she laughed. And even if it is, I think we can see in the rest of the story that she came to a point where she was laughing simply in sheer joy of the thing that God had done for her. Now, to understand how she got there, we have to first understand the state that she was in. And I'm going to look at Walter Brueggemann, who's a very famous Old Testament scholar, tells the story, I think, the best, of what kind of state Abraham and Sarah were living in. They were miserable. They wanted nothing but to have a child. 
She wanted nothing but to give Abraham an heir, and he wanted nothing but to have a son to pass on his things to. Brueggemann says this, Abraham and Sarah have by this time become accustomed to their barrenness. They are resigned to their closed future. Can you imagine a future with no hope? They have accepted that hopelessness as normal. The gospel promise does not meet them in receptive hopefulness, but in resistant hopelessness. This story embodies a statement of irony, for the total Abraham-Sarah story is about a call embraced. But in this central narrative, the call is not embraced. It is rejected as nonsensical. And indeed, if no new thing can intrude, if newness must be conjured from present resources, the promise announced here is truly nonsense. Can you imagine? No hope at all. They are miserable. God stands and offers them a promise, and all they can do is roll their eyes and laugh cynically. And we get a clue in this text of just how bad it is. Because it says, after she laughs, am I to have this pleasure? Now, the RSV translates it almost exactly like that. The NIV says, am I to have the pleasure of having a child in old age? They add that. I don't think that's what that's talking about. I think it's talking about having the pleasure of being with her man. Their relationship is so barren, they don't even spend time together. They're miserable. It's as if they are locked up in separate houses, never seeing another human being. Wait, is that happening right now? I always love preaching to Sarah Beth because she gets this little smirk on her face when we, you know when you're supposed when she, you're when y'all are supposed to get it she smirks <laughs> oh yeah put the mask on and nobody will know <laughs> some of us can relate to this of late life is not fun these days for many of us we don't get to have this kind of social interaction we've wanted to we don't know what the future will hold. It has, over the last several weeks in particular, very bleak. And yet we get this beautiful question in this text. Beautiful, beautiful question. Verse 14. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? 
when we look at a life that is so hopeless and so miserable and so awful that we can't even see a future, that's the question to ask. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything impossible for God? This is not, as our literary minds might say, a rhetorical question. This is a question that demands an answer. It demands a decision. We have to be receptive to the hope that God offers. We can't ever receive it if we don't open up to it. And Sarah is the prime example of that. Yes, initially she may have laughed cynically at the notion of this, but eventually she comes around. Is anything too difficult for God? Is God's sovereignty limited by our understanding, our experience, our vision, our imagination? Sarah couldn't possibly think that she would have a child. Abraham didn't possibly think that he would have an heir. And yet God can do the impossible and does. Some of you listening and watching and sitting here can't possibly imagine how you can get out of the financial mess you're in right now. How you can heal your marriage, how your body can be improved and your health cured. Is anything impossible with God? Ultimately, you know, the word there, which is, is anything difficult? Is anything hard? Is there anything God can't do? It's about the marvelousness of God. Can God do wonderful and redemptive deeds? And we hear that and we think, well, of course, God is powerful, but this isn't about God's power. This is about God's ability to keep promises. God promises to be good to us. God promises to work all things for our good. God promises wondrous deeds. Is anything impossible for God? No. Ultimately, that question boils down to, is God God or not? And we must decide. As Abraham shows hospitality again and again and again to the three men that are in front of him, so we must Be hospitable to God and open ourselves up to receive all the wonder and glory that God would have us have. And that, my friends, will make us laugh with wonder and awe and joy like a little kid hearing good news. 
from his daddy for the first time. She names her son Laughter. Not because she's embarrassed at the cynical way she first laughed, but because she's awed by the glory that God has offered her in that son. Turning her miserable life into one that reflects the goodness and wonder of her Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.